to the Smoking Cuban Podcast. This is episode three. I'm here as always with Manny Dixon. Go ahead and give us a shout, Manny. Yep, what's going on, y'all? It's Emmanuel, a.k.a. Manny. It's good to have you guys back with us. How's it yeah, going? We're, we're real excited to do this show. I mean, this is this is something we've wanted to do for a while. You know, we're, we're not here to to do anything other than bring Mavs news and just talk basketball. It's, you know, it's it's a passion. That's why we write. That's why we do this. That's why we watch every game. That's, you know, that's why we follow the game. So it's it's a lot of fun. But um, for those of you listening, we really do appreciate you. We we uh, are here to, to bring you guys our opinion and to bring as much news as we can. And, uh, yeah, so let's go ahead and jump into to what we're going to talk about this week, Manny. Um, so for those of you who follow us on Twitter... We had a, a series of polls this week in uh, honor of the uh, awards show season with the Oscars and the Grammys and all the other ones. I'm not big on the awards shows, but um, today we're going to go through the Mavericks Choice Awards is what we're calling it. And uh, that is uh, our second favorite name that we found. Someone else took ours um, a year ago, so I guess we took, we're <laughs> going to take it from them. But either way, uh, we're going to jump into it, so... Uh, which category do you want to go go look at first, Manny? Well, let's take them to the top. Let's go with uh, best flopper of the year. Ooh, <laughs> this should be fun. This, yeah, <laughs> so, this uh, uh, this is a good category. Yeah. This one uh, this one was uh, owned by Manu Ginobili for so many years that it's weird to have someone new in in uh, conversation for the top pick. So. So we have James Harden, LeBron James, Rajon Rondo, and Salah Mejri. Huh. All right. So I have no arguments here. <laughs> yeah. Let's look at the poll first. So into on Twitter, the polls. Uh, we have the final results at this point. Uh, R- uh, Rondo came in at the lowest with five percent of the vote. LeBron was next with nine percent. Salah came in with 19%, and James Harden with a commanding win of 67%. So is James Harden the obvious choice here? Uh, yeah, by far. <laughs> so the Uh-oh. big thing here for me is that James Harden is the only player of these of all four of these that flops on both offense and defense. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. Um... Yeah, I I mean, when we came up with these uh, poll questions and uh, came up with these candidates, I uh, didn't see it going any other way. I figured, a, you know, a few others, it would be kind of questionable. But uh, just keep in mind, we we are a, <laughs> we're a site that covers the maps. I mean, I can't reason I'm too, too um, uh, disappointed here or surprised. But no. to be fair, he does flop quite often. He does. He does. Salah doesn't play enough to take the title, but he is quite good at flopping. I mean, he that guy hits the ground more than any other seven-footer has ever wanted to in their lives. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to be fair, he's to me, he just seems a bit unbalanced, like, all the time, as <laughs> is. So sometimes it's not even just, like, you know, uh, the, the opposing player. Um, it's true. You know, ramming into him, it's just gravity. <laughs> it's yeah, I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure a light breeze could knock Sala over. So. <laughs> oh, man. Gotta love him. Hilarious. <laughs> All right. Let's jump into the next one. This one's uh, a little bit more um, controversial, in my opinion. So the next one mm-hmm. on our poll was the highest flyer of the year. So hmm. let's go over the results here. We had Zach Levine in fourth with 5%. Uh, Hamidou Diallo, I'll never get his name right, I'm just going to throw that out there right now. Um, <laughs> he had 15% of the vote. And then Giannis Anadokounmpo coming in third with 34%. And winning it is the the you know the Mavs hometown fan favorite who is now in New York, Dennis Smith Jr. Looks good to me. Um, yeah, I didn't, another one, another... Uh, uh, award that I figured would go this uh, direction. I must admit, uh, I think Zach Levine maybe has more, how do you say, he has more tricks 
mm-hmm. in his arsenal as far as moves and like you mm-hmm. know he's more creative. But as far as who has the most bounce, I think it's clear. You know, DSJ he gets up there, right. especially for it's... a guy at his height. It's just mm-hmm. remarkable. So. Yeah, his straight elevation is unbelievable, and he's had this this uh, increased desire to to really push uh, to push it when he since he's been in New York. I mean, he he wants to prove that he belongs there in the future. While New York fans are hoping for uh, you know a, a complete realignment of the roster, but uh, I you know I have a hard time with this one. It's kind of like quantity versus quality. I feel like Dennis Smith. Has the more fun, energetic dunks, but Giannis dunks at eighteen times a game. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe. Oh, I'm not. I'm not gonna put the wrong percentage out there, but I'm pretty sure most of his <laughs> points come from the paint. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I see. I see what you mean. But again, for me, it's the height issue. We went over this with the you know yeah, All Star we Weekend. It's just. I mean, you can't. You can't really. To me, it doesn't like stand out as much as DSJ because DSJ is literally going up there, and sometimes he's going up over people even taller than That's he true. is. So it just, you know, just pops. It just jumps off the TV screen literally sometimes. You know. That's true. the The thing with Giannis that that I keep I keep thinking about, and I'm gonna get laughed at for this comparison, but just know this comparison is only strictly for dunking the ball. He reminds me of Brandon Bass in the fact that he wants to dunk the ball every single play. There's nothing else he wants to do more than just dunk it in someone's face. Oh. Yeah, I brought out Brandon a Brandon Bass, Bass reference. You're welcome. <laughs> wow. I'm not sure who asked for it, but there you have it. Okay. okay but you remember <laughs> Brandon Bass with the Mavs, right? I mean, he that guy do. would do anything to dunk the ball, and he got stuck by the rim countless times. He did. He did. It's you know yeah, I mean, determination. I, I respect that. Yeah, I feel like for Giannis, it's just like muscle memory at this point. Like, who's <laughs> gonna stop him? You know, so it's, it's just like, why not? You know, so I mean, there's not much creativity there, but it's always gonna happen. So yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, so I think I think overall we probably agree that Dennis has the most exciting dunks in the league. Yeah. Definitely. Night in and night out. Agreed. All right, so, yeah, so what's our next category? What's our next award? <sighs> See, I feel like arguing, so let's go into laziest defender of the year. <laughs> I had a feeling someone wasn't going to be happy about this one. <laughs> okay, so we have Steph Curry at 2%, mm-hmm. Kyle Kuzma at 3%, <laughs> James Harden. Twenty-eight percent. Mm-hmm. LeBron James at sixty-seven. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. All right. Um, if it's one thing I don't like, it's people becoming a prisoner of the moment. <laughs> I get it. Recency I get bias. it. LeBron has not been playing defense. Yes. I'm not going to say enough defense or good enough. He's just not playing defense. He's taking plays off. Sometimes he's taking games off. I get it. But come on. At at least we see him on the screen. Like sometimes like James Harden, he's just like he's either swiping at the ball because he's on the side of the, the, the his man like driving to the hole or he's pulling his hand back and just. Waving them on, like go ahead, like a second base coach, like oh, third base coach at that. Like it, it just, it just blows my mind. But I saw these numbers, I'm just like, I think it's just crap on LeBron season. <laughs> like it has to be. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, so the, the thing is, this this poll came out shortly after the video of him versus Memphis. Pretty much the they pretty much highlighted the entire game where LeBron was standing around losing his. Losing the guy he's supposed to be defending, you know, watching the ball, letting guys drive through the lane. I mean, it was, it, it was bad. There, that's not MVP candidate basketball, no matter how you slice it. 
But okay. you're also talking about guys like James Harden, Steph Curry, and Kyle Kuzma doesn't get nearly enough credit for how bad his defense is. I mean, the Lakers are not a good defensive team. They won't be a good defensive team at all, all year. Um, they need some pieces to get there. I mean, Lonzo's not a great defender. Brandon Ingram's, Brandon Ingram's a pretty good defender. Um, JaVale McGee is JaVale McGee. I mean, he, they're not a good defensive team. So, But LeBron is, you know, the face of a team that is in the spotlight. He's, he, you know, he's the chosen one. And he, he's, <laughs> he didn't move his feet for like three plays in a row. No. So the recency bias does play a part of it. The I, I still keep going back to that article that, I don't remember who wrote it, but the one about how LeBron has learned how to take breaks during games, which, like, mm. there is no reason that anyone should ever write that and try and put a positive spin on it. You can't put a positive spin on that kind of, <laughs> that kind of article. You can't. It's impossible. But they, they felt it and they went with it. And, you know, it's... So those things co- combined have really put LeBron's defense on you know under the microscope so i agree with the poll um plus you know we didn't even talk about the fact that harden couldn't flop if he wasn't in defensive position somewhere so hmm by virtue i guess you have an (laughs) argument there (laughs) but this this is what i found interesting though let's just go ahead and okay lebron laziest defender one of the other options is a teammate of his. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm the only one watching Lakers games here, but a lot of those plays where you see like the defense breaks down, it's mm-hmm. normally involving two Lakers, LeBron and Kuzma. All I'm saying is I just don't get the disparity with the numbers here. 3%, that's it for Kuzma. A lot oh. of those switches, a lot of those switches that should be made but aren't, it's on Kuzma. But it's true. Like I but said, put both those names in front of a casual NBA fan and and tell me which one they recognize. Very true. Very true. Yeah. So I mean, that plays a huge part it in it. But I do agree that Kyle Kuzma should have higher than three percent. Yeah. All right. Did you get your Did you get your LeBron love in on that one? I had to like defend him, so it wasn't really love. It was like coming back from a three one <laughs> deficit. Jeez. <laughs> Ooh. All right, all I right. I got that in there. I got that in there. I had to throw there. it in there. <laughs> Hurts my heart. All right. Oh, let's man. let's go on to the next award. So the next one, we've got the sickest handles of the year. Uh, we had Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, James Harden, and Luka Doncic. Um, there is, you know, no hometown bias in this poll at all, but let's, <laughs> let's go through it here. Steph Curry, who is, you know, has been touted for his... Um, Warm-ups with ball handling with the two balls and, and all that. He's great ball handler, breaks ankles. He got 0%. He didn't get a single vote. Uh, James cool. Harden got 2%. James Harden is one of the craftiest ball handlers in the league, as painful as that is to say. Uh, Kyrie Irving is probably the consensus um, best ball handler in the league as far as players go. I mean, he's he's hurt enough players' uh, ankles and you know, pride in the NBA to, to be pretty well respected around the league. He came in with 36% and Luca with a commanding lead of 62%. So give me, give me the, uh, give me the breakdown here. What, 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 what is the actual order of these four and who, who's the your, actual, I mean, who's your top? So the actual order, in my opinion, should go Kyrie Irving one. Mm-hmm. For now, I will say James Harden at two. Mm-hmm. Luca at three. Steph at four. Not with zero percent, but still. <laughs> yeah, the zero um, percent's a little harsh. He's a much better ball handler than he's getting credit for. But I agree. Yeah. I think he's fourth in this list. Yeah. I, when I, Once I saw this, <laughs> I chuckled. I'm just like... Yeah, it's a lot of bias going on here. It's pretty heavy with this one. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I love Luca. I mean, he's he's on his way, you know, to being like you know, uh, like a top two, three uh, ball handler in the league. Absolutely. Uh, but I feel like as of right now, currently, like without question, Kyrie 
is the premier ball handler in the league. I mean, yeah. the way he splits defenses and mm-hmm. let's not even get into how he finishes between defenders and like it's just he is the craftiest a ball handler in the league, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll allow it. I mean, it's Doncic, so what can I say? Yeah, he he gets <laughs> he gets enough credit uh, for sure. I mean, he he really is a great ball handler. I think he and Harden are really similar in their style of basketball. Um, I think Luca is um, has a better fundamental base than Harden. But Harden is a little more crafty and a little quicker, um, yeah. and he he you know he he has Luca by a half step and does a lot of the same moves. <laughs> so I think by I, I mean by that. that Harden probably has to be ahead of Luca in the uh, in the rankings. But I think they're real close, and I think Steph is is in fourth. So I agree with your ranking there. I think that Luca gets a lot of love in Dallas, which he deserves. Um, so the poll looks about what I expected. I think Kyrie got Kyrie getting thirty six percent is is basically a win for this poll. Okay, we can agree on that. All right, what do we got next? Good. We have best trash talker of the year. That's hmm. a good one. No maps on this one, so no bias. <laughs> so uh, we have Russell Westbrook at seven percent. Draymond, 9%. Mm-hmm. Joe Ingles, 39%. <laughs> and coming out on top is Joel Embiid at 45%. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you t- take this one because uh, I already I voted for Embiid, but I honestly could have seen it going, uh, you know, either way. Because yeah. a lot of guys talk trash in the league, you know? It's so, true. It's true. You know, yeah, so MB, the big thing with him is that he talks trash on and off the court. He talks trash on every platform he can get. That's I think that's why he gets noticed a lot. The yeah, reason sure. I like Joe Ingles is because he doesn't step down from anyone. I mean, he has nerves of steel. He's a good defender, and he, he trash talks the best players in the league, first and foremost. And that's why, he, that's why he was my pick. That's who I picked was Ingles. He's just, there's something funny about, you know, the dad on the court. Yeah. Talking trash to all these great athletes. I mean, he's not a superior. He's not a super athlete. He's a good, smart player. Um, he's a goofy looking dude, but he is just—he's <laughs> relentless out there, and I love it. He—he, he, I mean, we watched him talk trash to Luca when they were in town, and yeah. and you know we beat him by fifty, but that's you know neither here nor there. But uh, I think I had Ingles first, Embiid second, Draymond third, and Westbrook fourth. Yeah. I think with um Ingles is that he's not supposed to be on this list factor. Like you said, he's <laughs> he's not really, you know, athletic. You don't see him and go, Wow, athlete, like Yeah. You know, anybody in the street is like they don't think he's a Yeah, you don't think he's a basketball player. Yeah. But he's out there talking trash to guys twice his size that are like, you know, built like tanks and like twice as fast as him. It's just and like, that anyone well, he backs it up though. World, yeah, yeah. I mean, he backed up. He said he, he was does. the best shooter in the league, and uh, I mean, he plays like it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, plays with the confidence him. for sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You can tell it comes to a place of confidence, and I can appreciate that. You know, not just uh, not just a whole lot of hot air coming out of you but um but yeah i get mb because he does take it to social media quite often mm-hmm. and i must admit it is quite um it's quite entertaining it I mean, even entertaining. he backs it up it oh is, yeah without a uh, doubt yeah he he backs it up as well so yeah, the only one on this list that. that doesn't back it up is draymond so oh the most versatile player on this list that can guard every position no way Fascinating. <laughs> so <laughs> no, 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 no. The system player of the year, that's his award. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, I won't get started with that. All right. <laughs> that's fair. Alright, let's let's go to the next one. Here here we can talk more about Draymond. So we got the worst arguer of the year. Um we got John Wall and Jimmy Butler tied for third at fourteen percent. Russell Westbrook at twenty five percent, and Draymond Green with forty seven percent of the vote. Hmm. 
so for I guess just to clarify for those of you listening, uh, as far as worst argue, we pretty much mean we understand everyone in the league like argues calls because nobody ever fouls anyone ever, and, no and one everyone ever believes also it was gets them. fouled at every play. So oh yeah, definitely yeah. Um, so these are the players we feel uh, you know make their case to the refs more often mm-hmm. than others. Um, Take it to I the mean, match. I understand with with Wall. I mean, he's he's um he's out for a while, so yeah, he can't I mean, keep I didn't up with the refs really anymore. Yeah, unfortunately, speedy recovery though. I mean, wish him the best. Um, so I'm, I'm, I didn't really expect him to get that. No, but when you're making anything, fifty million actually, a year, you're supposed to be able to complain, right? Yeah, even off the court, <laughs> <laughs> complain from home. I would. Right. I hope he um, got a gold plated boot. He deserves it, man. <laughs> but uh, let's see, Jimmy Butler. You know the thing with Jimmy Butler, I don't think he just he argues with everyone, not just refs. Yeah, it's like teammates, teammates primarily, as well. <laughs> coaches, like fans, reporters. Yeah. But oddly enough, I like Jimmy Butler. <laughs> I feel he's the most misunderstood dude in the league. He does too. I'm just listen. It's not like he's a scrub. He, no, not by any means. He just, I, I, I feel like he tries to pull his teammates up to a level where he feels they should be, and by all means, they should be. Maybe it's the way he goes about it that rubs people the wrong way. Could be. So I mean, you know, the intentions are good, but uh, I guess the. Is his style of communicating may just not be it, but yeah, I mean, he I mean, kind of plagued like himself do. with the Chicago thing too. That's just, I mean, that's a, the nature of the beast. Yeah. As far as Westbrook, okay, let's talk about this real quick because this has been killing me. Uh, the whole Westbrook incident with the, I guess, a ten-year-old fan uh, mm-hmm. touching or hitting or poking, whatever it is. Right. Um, you know, so this happens during a game. Mm-hmm. Little boy sitting courtside uh, touches or hits, according to Westbrook, hits him. Um, Westbrook, you know, I guess talked to the boy's father. And you can see no one looked like they were uncomfortable, like everyone smiling, whatever the case, the case may be. Um, but, yeah, he pretty much said that he feels like there should be boundaries as far as, like, you know, fans and um, as far as, like, touching and interacting with, with players. I know Westbrook gets a bad rep for always getting into it with, um, you know, fans. Uh, but what do you, what do you, what's your take on this? Like, as far as like with the kid the other night, uh, what did you feel about that? I, you know, I have, I can see both sides of it, I guess. But you know, there's been this big push lately with the NBA where it's kind of like, you know. Players are people too, which I love. I mean, that's that's a movement that needed to happen. We look at these people like they're some, you know, idolized, you know, statue. When you know they they bleed, they they feel things, they they cry, everything. It's you know, it's it's they're human. So I understand Westbrook's dis- or frustration, but at the same time, it's you know, it's in the game. You gotta let it go. You gotta focus on the game. Nothing else matters at that point. If you want to say something afterwards, if you want to, you know, say something to the press, something about how, you know, fans need to respect the players more or, or whatever, visiting fans need to be more respectful of players, that's fine. I would be fine with that, but not in the middle of a game. Yeah, I mean, I, I yes, I, I'm a Westbrook fan, um, but that's not the reason why I, I side with him on this one, in all honesty, because... I mean, a lot of people's argument is, you know, it's a 10-year-old kid. But I'm like, a 10-year-old kid touching him now could be a 30- or 40-year-old, like, hitting him. You know what I mean? Um, Let's not forget, malice at the palace did happen. It's true. And those people weren't even, like, courtside. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just saying, like, let's just realize that people, fans, do... Um, go overboard at times. Oh, all, all the time. Um, yeah, and that, I, you know. see, my my issue isn't with the fact that it's a ten year old kid. I think that I think that kids need to understand that they need to respect people. I don't have any problem with 
with uh, Westbrook's actions. The only problem I have with have with the situation is the timing. Okay, that I can agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just, in the end, I feel like I, you know, it may bother him, it may frustrate him, but he's got to get back to the game. The game is the most important thing. You got to show that to your team. You got to show that to your coach. Um, overall, this is, you know, this is a small thing. Any, no, no one's gonna care about this in a week. Um, so it is what it is. I, I don't think it should have been as big a deal as people made it to be. Um, I don't think anyone was in the right. I don't think anyone was in the wrong necessarily. Well, the kid was kind of in the wrong, but aside from that, so yeah. Um, segueing back into our awards here, I think that we're, Westbrook used to be the worst arguer in the league. I'm not sure if he still is. Um, I don't know. I mean, this this is a pretty good poll. I think this could have gone in any of the four directions, and I would have been fine with it. Draymond yeah. was my was my vote, but I could, yeah, like I said, I could see any of them taking the title for worst arguer, and and in the end, the arguing in the NBA has become such a commonplace that it's hard to distinguish the guys that are overdoing it to the guys that are just you know everyday play. Yeah. And, you know, it, it makes me a little sad that we don't have Salah on this list, too. <laughs> I mean, the minutes he does get, he has to get his money's worth, you know. He, so. I tell you, he, <laughs> he get, if he got a dollar for every word he said during the game, he'd make a whole lot more money than he does now. <laughs> well, he's endorsements. <laughs> I get to argue. Right. Yeah, but this is another. It was like another category where it could have really been anyone's name on this list. Yeah, you no, know, you can even you could even put a Harden's name on here. I think he argues a lot when he doesn't get a foul. Oh yeah, you favorite. could put LeBron's name Go on figure. there too. Yeah, but Durant does it all the time. There. Everyone. Yeah, it's, crazy. it's it really is. It's it's become kind of an epidemic, um, especially for the purist in me. I, I you know I'm I'm more of an NBA purist. I like the old, the way the game used to be played. So it hurts. Hurts to see all that, you know. But it is what it is. The game's still entertaining, so it doesn't doesn't hurt as bad as it could. But Agreed. Alright, let's jump into the next one. Best signature move of the year. So we've got four choices. I was uh, made it made very clear that we were supposed to have five choices on this one from uh, from a couple people in our poll. But we'll go through the four that we had, and I'll mention the fifth one afterwards. So we have Kyrie Irving's crossover with 1%. Steph, Steph Curry's quick release at 3%. James, Hard, James Harden's step back got 20% of the vote in a, in a Mavs-based poll, which is pretty impressive. Uh, and then we have, obviously, with 76%, Dirk's fadeaway. Um, pretty sure we can both agree on this one. It's iconic. It's the greatest basketball move of this uh, decade. Maybe of all time. Um, As far as it's as far as its usability and the you know the picture perfect form every single time, it's hard to argue many shots better than that one. You you know you have you have the the baby hook from Kareem. You got you know Jordan's fader, uh, Kobe's fader. Those are so similar, it's hard to pick between the two. I mean, they kind of modeled their game after... Kobe kind of modeled his game after MJ in that sense. Um, yeah, carbon copy. George Gervin had the uh, finger roll. Uh, it's going back a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there are very few moves that are as noticeable as as Dirk's fadeaway. It's true. You know... I'll I'll admit I'll get stoned for this, but I didn't vote for Dark Spreadway. Oh no. Um I won't really say what I voted for. Uh but anyway. I think the fans <laughs> to be have fair. a right to know. <laughs> okay, you got me. Uh I guess I was the one percent to have voted for Kyrie's crossover. <laughs> Only because the only person. it's an it's an award for the year. 
the year. Not a lifetime I, achievement. And I can award. see that. I can see that because Dirk's fadeaway has been significantly less relevant this year. But we have seen To be fair, still. though. Yes, that's my point. To be fair, even when he's not using it, other players are using it's it. It's true. It's true. And almost so. every time someone uses it, Durant may be the, the number one culprit of the guy who who uses Definitely. that fadeaway. Durant and LeBron both use it frequently. I I feel like LeBron used it last night on that dagger three. Yeah, it looked like it, didn't it? Yeah, he looked like he kicked <laughs> it, his leg up. I'm pretty Hard to sure tell from that angle, but yeah, I mean, and and every time it happens, just about every time it happens, the announcer mentions, you know, there's a there's a tribute to Dirk right there, and it's true. I mean, those guys didn't I, learn I, that move until they watched Dirk. You gotta appreciate it. Oh yeah, you know, um, there's a lot of pilfering going on in the league, but um, at least we all know, announcers all know, the, all the experts, every true basketball fan out there knows that you know. That's Dirk's signature move, and they oh, pay yeah. homage, you know. And so. even the players have mentioned it that they that they've you know put hours in the gym practicing that move because of how unstoppable it was. Oh yeah, yeah. So the oh, one I mean, at that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just saying at at his height and at the 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 height he releases the ball from, <laughs> and the space he creates, it's. Arguably one like top two move of all time, like most unguardable move. Absolutely, uh, you know. Yeah, I think one of the biggest shows of that was the three point contest when everyone was talking about, man, that ball's going over the shot clock when he's or at its peak. I mean, that's never changed. That's how Dirk shot it forever. He he's got that high arc. Ball goes through the net without touching it, and nope. it's. I mean, it's like the thief in the night. Yeah, when you when you have that kind of arch on a shot and you're seven feet tall and you got long arms and you're fading away, they, I mean, it's over. Yeah, if he, just, just if Dirk, seriously, I, I mean, I imagine that there that there had to have been coaches that said if Dirk's on tonight, we're out. We can't we can't do anything. If Dirk, if Dirk's feeling it, we're we're done. <laughs> Pretty much, like I said, just close your eyes and hope it all goes well. Yep. Yeah, we can't foul him because he's a good free throw shooter. So just just pray. Exactly. Yeah, so the one that I that obviously got mentioned that we should have brought or put in the poll was the Luca step back, which has been a very signature move this year. It has. So my issue with that is that I can I can see the Mavs fans voting for that over Dirk's fadeaway, and that bothers me. <laughs> I mean, You're I hate to say it because I love Luca. Yeah, I love Luca. Yeah. I have been fascinated by his game. His step back is really impressive. Um, it doesn't look like it should be as comfortable as he is with it. Yes. But I, yeah, I, I'm gonna be straight up honest. It should not. It's not. It's, it is not currently, and it will never be as iconic or as good a signature move as Dirk's fadeaway. Yeah. I will no, say I that. Get, I get your point. Yeah, I will say that 20 years from now, when people are saying that Luca is. The greatest player of all time. I will be. I will say that that step back is nowhere near as impressive as Dirk's fadeaway, and I will stand by it. I will. I will carry that with me forever. Yeah, no revisionist history here. I agree. I do feel that we're um, a bit bothered for two different reasons, though. I agree with you on the fact that you know Dirk's fadeaway is more iconic. Mm-hmm. My thing here is signature move. When I hear signature, I I think when I see a move, when I hear about something, what you think of that person? Like, what do I see? Honestly, I love Luca's step back. I'll even go a step further in saying his is actually legal. Uh, <laughs> but mean to be fair, <laughs> yeah. To be fair, though, when you think step back in the NBA, it's true. You see Harden. It's painful, but you it's know, true. You, you may not like it. It's traveling whatever but when you think signature move when you think step back you see Harden and that's the only reason why I wouldn't yeah. say that's Luca's signature move cuz that's not you. really his signature so um that's my you. only argument here what we need to do is we need to distinguish uh, across the league everyone needs to get to a, a, an understanding that Luca's is the step back and Harden's is the step 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 back 
Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. He found a loophole, I guess, in the NBA rulebook that allows him to do what he does. I mean, kudos to him for that. Yeah. But I mean, him, the league, they need to get it together. Yeah, I mean, this NBA like, is about exploiting the league. It's People know it. They won't say it, but they know it. It's about taking advantage sure. of, of the loopholes, and that's exactly, I mean, exactly what you said. That's, that's what this game is all about now. So I got I got to ask you. Did you see Bradley Beal's uh, a couple weeks ago the uh, the play that somehow? Oh yes, I did. I mean, that was legitimately the worst travel I've seen in. I, so I can't think of that. Maybe we, the the one Carmelo Anthony one where he stutter steps about eighteen times before pulling up for three. But that's the oh, only oh, one I can God. think of that was as bad as the Bradley Beal one. And I don't even think that one was as obvious. It feels like now we're going into a league where all you have to do is let go of the ball and then catch it again right? and continue dribbling. I'm just like, when has that ever been a thing? Yeah, well, and then the NBA, the refs on Twitter said, yeah, that's totally legal because he juggled the ball. I was like, well, it's a self-inflicted juggle. So can I just walk around with the ball as long as I don't keep it in one hand too long? Is that... Because, I mean, Zeke Elliott could be a great... NBA player, if that's the case, if he's just switching hands every other and stiff arming people, sure, why not? <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I have, right. I had, a, I had a good laugh about that one because I could not believe it did not get called. I was watching it without volume and thinking, okay, and then I, I watched it again and again. I was like, wait, they did, actually didn't call anything here, and, you and yeah, and that's is. hard in every play, so. I feel like sometimes the refs get bored and they need some excitement, so they let things go. Like, no, let's see what happens. I just <laughs> it has take, to be. Take the whistle and give them some it. popcorn every once in a while. <laughs> I feel like sometimes they want to be a fan as well. I, I don't blame the them. I, I would never want to be an NBA ref. That sounds like the worst job. Yeah, I'll, <clears> I'll pass. Yeah, so let, jump, I'm going to jump back into this topic real quick. So one other thing I ha- I feel like that we don't mention is that Harden is is known better for the step back, but it's also partially because Luca has a couple different signature moves already. Okay. So the one that comes to sure. mind is the is the uh, two handed bullet pass to the corner for three. Mm, yeah. He's that, that, he's that got, happen quite often. Yeah, he's done that a lot, and he's really gotten really good at it, and it's a incredibly difficult pass to make um not that's why you know that's why it's kind of the luca is the one getting recognized for it because most players don't dare make that pass so i think that that could end up yeah i think that could be end up becoming luca's actual signature move instead of the step back and and i wouldn't be surprised if that were the case but that's just my last two cents on that one so we can we can jump into the next one all right what do we have next okay so we have the best moment of the season award, and we have best in quotations. This is my favorite. Uh, right. <laughs> so we have the Jimmy Butler debacle, dating back to his days in Minnesota. <laughs> you know, until he got traded to uh, Philly mm-hmm. uh, at 11%. At 14%, I mean, they're all crazy. This would be number one. But we have Ja Rule. So bad. <laughs> we have Ja Rule cursing the Sacramento Kings instead of what he meant. We meant to curse being the Minnesota Timberwolves. Coming in at fourteen percent, it's crazy. Fifteen percent. We have the CP3 Rondo bad blood game, where some spit was exchanged apparently. Ugh. And at sixty percent, we have the New Orleans trolling the LA Lakers. Again, a little bit of recency bias there. True, true. Okay, so so before we jump into this too much, i got to give you my my uh, theory on Ja Rule cursing Sacramento. You ready? Got it. Got okay. So Sacramento's arguably best player is... Who, who would you say their best player is? Uh, best player? You can make an argument for I'll a few with, guys. I'll go with Fox. Okay, I'll go with Fox. I, I say Fox, too. But I'm going to go with second best player here. Buddy Heald is is probably their okay. second best player right now. Now, Buddy Heald, if I'm not mistaken, is from the Bahamas, right? Uh, 
It's an island. It has to be. I, I believe so. Yeah, and Ja Rule has a bad history with the Bahamas. Uh, did you guys see that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little roundabout, but I'm telling you, there's something there. Wow. Yeah, I just you watched really the Fire Festival there. documentary, and I'm all in on that. I, I think they're... I think that the Bahamas tie was what really happened with the Sacramento cursing. So you think he meant to curse Sacramento, and he yep. just for some reason mentioned Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's my theory. If Phoenix would have been there, he'd have cursed DeAndre Ayton too. <laughs> I'm just like, why didn't you curse Giannis? He's the one that was putting up shots during the <laughs> set. <laughs> like, how do you miss him? Like, he's seven feet. Come on. I honestly can't believe that they decided to book Ja Rule for a halftime show. I mean, that is bold. <laughs> it's bold to say the least. I can't even tell if the crowd didn't want to cheer for him or if they didn't even know who he was. It, <laughs> probably, it was just probably a mix of the two. <laughs> well, I got to tell I mean, you. So, I think I read. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I think I read somewhere where they say something about the. I guess the fans in Minnesota it was it Milwaukee. It was Milwaukee, actually, I believe, uh, that they're like pretty, uh, I guess, good with their concession breaks and stuff like that. So maybe a lot of the fans are like not even in the stands. <laughs> they're all gone. But I'm not buying. Empty it. house. I'm not buying that. No. Yeah. No. So I got. I got to tell you, I went to a Mavs game earlier this year, and they had uh, a special halftime performance. That's how they build it, and Kid and mm-hmm. Play performed. Wow. Wow. And it was rough. Really? It's just not the right setting for that kind of performance. I mean, especially for the for guys like Kid and Play who, you know, 95% of the crowd has no idea who those guys are. Ouch. Yeah. The it's just... 90s fanboy in me is <laughs> hurt by that. Right now. <laughs> So I'm 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 gonna say something and it's gonna hurt you a little more, but I'm in the ninety five percent. I had no idea who Kid and Play was. Oh man, wrap it up. Let's go home. It's over. <laughs> it's over. That was it. We've had enough arguments, but that was the one that put down it over goes right there. Manny. Down goes <laughs> Manny. Oh my. Wow, you 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 really could have said this like before we started the show, you know. I had to drop the bomb. Warn me. <laughs> You know, I, I, I knew I was going to say a lot of things in this podcast. I did not know that I was going to mention Kid and Play. And I also did not know that that mention was going to be the worst thing I said. So that's that's got to be something good right there. Wow. We got we to gotta like come up with a name for these. Like, it's like the coal bomb or something. The coal bomb. Please let this be the last one, though. Uh, that took a lot out. That's that's <laughs> that's the only one you can handle for today. <laughs> yeah. I am no more good. I have a feeling that I'm going to drop a lot of coal bombs on you this year, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... No, so I, did, you, did you vote for New Orleans trolling the Lakers? Up? I did. It's too good. It's too good. I mean, have you ever seen a situation where an entire organization just kept saying, nope, that's not enough. Keep sending us offers, though. We're really interested. And, like, they're not even looking at them. They're just sitting there laughing. That is the greatest trolling I've ever seen. Like, I have exes that aren't even that petty. Right, exactly. Are you really still upset? Are you still upset about the whole Chris Paul deal to the Lakers getting, like, (laughs) next part? Who wouldn't be upset? Jeez, that was, like, a commissioner ago. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Come on, guys. See, this this is the... This is the new level of petty. This takes the the Cleveland uh, saying they're going to win a title before LeBron does when he left. This is the oh, new. This man. is the new top. Let's let's stick to let's stick to this. How do you see this all playing out though in the long run between New Orleans Lakers and I guess I'll throw in the Celtics here because apparently the Celtics were in uh, the years of the former GM. Of the Pelicans telling them, you know, we'll have a better deal for you, a better package if you wait till the uh, the end of the season. Uh, how do you see all that working out? 
Uh, I mean, I don't think that Anthony Davis will be traded to L.A. I don't think that that is even in the realm of possibility at this point, especially after all that. So I think that Boston will put together a package that will be enough for Anthony Davis. I I think that it might even be smaller than what L.A. offered because uh, at some point the Pelicans decided that this was, you know, this was personal between them and the Lakers. And I think that there's going to be another team that comes in, and it may not be as good an offer, but they're going to take it just to spite the Lakers. And then I could see Anthony Davis signing with the Lakers the next year. Yeah, I, that's, I guess that's my only hiccup with this thing. It's just like, I, I see why you were upset. I hope you got some satisfaction out of it. But in the end, what does it all really mean? He's going to end up there regardless. Right. Maybe not now, but he's going to he's going to be a Laker. And as far as the Celtics go, it's like mind your business. <laughs> I get the whole rivalry thing, but really, really. Well, the like, funny thing I don't even think I don't even think Kyrie stays. I don't think Kyrie stays. That's what Boston I was going to say. Is the funny thing is season. they're going to make the trade for Anthony Davis, and then he's going to be the only star there instead of New Orleans. <laughs> it's it, you really seriously seriously. My my Avengers fans out there, like this is this is Thanos, killing everyone. Did you do it? Yes, but what did it cost you? Everything. That's right. At what cost? You lose Kyrie just to get Anthony Davis, who, mind you, can barely stay on the court as great as he is. Oh man, but that's the truth. What's it really worth? But I mean, it is a great troll job. Troll job at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, that's quite a long time to hold a grudge, but hey. <laughs> I love it. I guess they won. I love it. It just makes me laugh. It bring, brings even more entertainment to this already very entertaining league. Oof, tell me about it. And it just gives you even more of the the you know the fact that the off court stuff, the off season, the the trade deadline, the draft are just as entertaining as the on play court or the you know the on court play. It's fan. It's, yeah. It makes it so much more fun it, that basketball is literally a year-round sport. Thank you. It's it's the most entertainment you'll find in one league. Oh, yeah. You it's know, got it all. Um, I, Drama. You can't ask for more. Yeah, Horror. Actual talent. Horror, if, you're, <laughs> if you include Gordon Hayward and Paul George and Sean Livingston oh, and yeah. Andrew Bogut. Oof. Jeez. Andrew Bogut's a little yeah. throwback there for you. <laughs> All right, so we got one more here. Um, this one mm-hmm. is is more Mavs focused, and I feel like we're gonna I feel like we're gonna defer on this one. So I'm curious um, for those of you listening. We didn't talk about these before. We didn't talk about our choices. So this is we're, we're learning uh, who each of each of us picked at the same time you guys are. So uh, this one is the biggest loss of the year award, and it is the biggest loss for the Mavs. So we have DeAndre Jordan in fourth at seven percent, Harrison Barnes in third at twelve percent. Dennis Smith Jr. in second at 21%, and commanding lead, 60%, J.J. Barea. So give me your thoughts. <laughs> I think I commented on this on Twitter as well. Uh, <laughs> you I, did. I thought that Wes Matthews there. would be on this list, but he wasn't. I couldn't put five. <laughs> he, pro- well, he probably should have been there over Dennis Smith, but... Oh man! Wow! Yikes! Um, I I voted for Dennis Smith Jr. Really? Uh, it's no secret. That's that's my guy. He's still my guy. I feel there was a way to work things out where we keep the two, you know, young guards, uh, Luca and, okay. and I agree with that. You know, um, I don't think Dennis Smith Jr. was the, was a problem. He was not the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you mentioned that one. I don't, you know, so at the end of it all, I'm glad we, we have KP, hoping he comes back at the same level or even better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to me, yes, I'm going to miss um, DJ's rebounding, his uh, defense when he, you know, decided to play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was a lot, and you know, I even argued that I felt like our rebound would be uh, would suffer a bit. 
Which you are absolutely right about. I'm eating my words on that one. (laughs) Um, uh, Don't kill me, but I'm not too set about Harrison Bond going. Well, you don't Um, miss the tunnel vision? You don't miss the horse blinders? Not at all. Not for... (laughs) The the issue I... I'd never disliked Harrison Barnes per se. I just... For what we paid him, we just never got... The production we thought we would, um, but you were upset so about Wesley Matthews that was not being on there. No, I'm not upset. It's just hilarious. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a little bit of trolling there, but yeah. So okay, what about JJ? Yeah. I will admit I'm not as big a JJ fan as everyone else is. Right, I understand his importance to the team in the past. I'll say that strategically, but I feel moving forward with what I've seen with the players that we've added. Some I'm sure we we won't be able to keep, but yes, like Jalen Brunson, I feel if we're, you know, uh, progressing uh, to a new era, yeah, we... You got to do something different to get a different result. That's all I'm saying. All right. uh, you know, um, and at his age, that injury is just tough to see him come back and be effective. Yeah, that's um, true. So, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it was a tough loss because he was that um, explosive, uh, you know, energy, uh, jolts of energy yeah. that we needed off the bench. Um, but I feel like the young guys have pretty much bought it, you know, in his absence. Not, you know, no slight to him. But I'm just saying, like, you know, they're holding their own and they're showing what they have. Hey, mm-hmm. I'll even go out and say Dwight Powell is doing a great job too. I feel like every night one of oh, the yeah. young guys is stepping up, you know, and it's just a breath of fresh air. And I feel like we're we're seeing what we have more so now than before. Yeah, you know, and I know um, Carlisle, uh, he prefers you know his trusted, um, improving you know. Duos like, you know, Devin Harris, JJ, but now the leash is extended a bit more for the younger guys and they're all stepping up. So I feel like it's, um, it's bittersweet, you know, for the Mm -hmm. most part, it's tough to, to lose JJ, but it's just, uh, like it's promising. What I'm saying is promising. Like we have a pretty decent future. And I feel like I said this last night in the chat, I'd like what we have. If there were a way to keep this, this, this roster, and add a healthy KP next season, I would love it just to see how far we can go. Right. All right, so recapping, your order would be Dennis Smith, DJ, JJ, and Harrison in that order? Yeah. Or do you switch Harrison and yeah. JJ? Mm. Oh, I mean, Harrison would be last for me. Harrison okay. would be last. JJ second to last. Okay. So yeah, DJ, DSJ, DJ, JJ, then Barnes. Okay. So yes, we are very different on this one. I, w- I did predict that uh, correctly. Um, my top is DeAndre. Uh, for exactly the reason you mentioned, his rebounding is missed poor, uh, dearly. Um, but what I miss is his, is his relationship with Luca. He and Luca were awesome on the court together. I mean, they were they. Mm-hmm had the lob threat down finally uh, just before the trade. I mean, they had finally gotten in rhythm with each other. DeAndre is so, such an imposing force that he can get to his spot under the basket and then set up and be ready for the pass from Luka. Whereas Dwight doesn't have that imposing size. Uh, he can he can elevate, but he doesn't have the, the strength to kind of you know make room for himself in that spot. So I do miss DJ for those reasons. Um, JJ would be my second. JJ was was at one point on pace to be a six man of the year candidate. He was doing it all, playing great. Um, I am partially glad that he, not glad that he got injured, but glad that that we kind of cleared out some space to get Jalen Brunson some playing time because he's looked fantastic. Um, I do think he's the future. But for this year, for the purposes of this year, I think JJ was a big loss. I think that he could carry the team in a way that players like Brunson, players like Trey Burke are incapable of doing at this point. Burke, partially because he's so new. Brunson, because he's so young. 
very different reasons. JT knows knows Carlisle's offense almost as well as Carlisle does, so it's you know it's th- that plays a part. Uh, third is Barnes for me, um, not so much for his play, but for his leadership, uh, for his attitude, for his community outreach stuff. I mean, if you took away his on court stuff, he was the best Maverick over the last several years. Uh, just as good of guy as you can find. Uh, did everything right. Only cared about the uh, about you know playing the game. It wasn't a it wasn't a time for for anything else. It was just to play so that he had the money to do the things that he wanted to in the community and things like that. Just can't say enough good things about Barnes as a person. Um, his play this year was frustrating at times, but it also when he was on it wasn't so bad. So we we remember the bad w- without the good a lot. Uh, fourth is Dennis Smith for me. You know, I we we t- we talked about this a lot. We, we're on very different ends of this argument. I saw it all unfold as Dennis Smith, um, you know, requested the trade and and all the drama there. I do agree with you in the fact that I think that they could should could have and or could have and probably should have worked it out. Um, you know, giving up on a player like Dennis Smith with his ceiling uh, or with his potential ceiling and with his um, youth and his ability is painful. Frustrating, sad, but in the end, he wasn't happy, and he's happy in in New York. So, we we got the better end of the deal, no matter what anyone says. Chris Steps is, I mean, you have to make that deal when it's on the table. So, that's my yeah. order. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree, but I can uh, I can understand the reasoning. <laughs> you at least you at least hear my reasoning, yeah. Uh, and same yeah. same with you. I mean, we we both we we have a very very cordial understanding that we don't agree on most things, but we like to uh, hear the other person's opinion, which is good. So, um, very true. Yeah. So we're 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 running low on time here. Let's go over quick recap over the pay over the win or with the win over the Pacers. Um, Luca had a solid game. Jalen Brunson was, was, in my opinion, the MVP of the game. He was a star. Who's kind of his coming out game there. Um, you know, Dirk dropped 11, looked good. You know, he's been quietly really good the last three games since they put him back in the starting lineup, which is just a, you know, shows a lot about his his routine and how he's gotten used to, you know, starting over the years. I did a little bit of research for this piece that I just did about Dirk uh, and the starting. He, in the, if you take away his rookie year and this year, he started all but eight games in the 19 years in between. Wow. Yeah. Iron Man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a great win. Um, We had some tough competition. Wes Matthews had a good, solid game. Got a lot of love from the Mavs fans, which was deserving. And uh, absolutely, I mean, Wes came here under weird circumstances and got a weird contract because of it. Um, But as far as... um, as far as a, a person and, a, a, you know, a leader and a, a workhorse, you couldn't ask for much more from Wes. I mean, his play lacked the what you would hope for from $17 million, million a year, but um, everything else about him was great. I, I have no no uh, bad words to say about Wes. He's a, you know, good player. Played a good game. Hurt us a lot. But what, what's your takeaway from this game? Uh. I was impressed by the fact that we had three players with at least 20 points. Um, right now, I have to say, and I said it the moment the trade happened, uh, the most, uh, the person I'm most impressed with and I was like most happy to have join the team was uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Mm-hmm. I just feel like his uh, ability to find his offense um, helps us tremendously. Uh, the fact that he's able to, you know, get his shots up, find his game while Luca is still doing Luca things, right. and even Jalen Brunson was able to really, you know, step up last night it was just huge. You know, mm-hmm. it was just great to to see those three play their game at the same time without having to, you know. Uh, I guess take a step back or whatever the case may be, but they were just in, 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 in unison and it just they anchored the offense and it was it was great to see. Um, I'll even give a shout out to Dwight Powell. I mean, he's looking great mm-hmm. out there. Like I said, you know, uh, it, it, it's any given night 
one of one or two of the young guys are going to step up, and we're just looking amazing. And Dirk, king enough of those top of the key That's threes. The you know, you just want to get at least one every game. Um, yeah. Uh, as far as Wes, I jokingly said in the in the in the uh, the chat that if he played like he did last night more often, he probably wouldn't have left Dallas. That's true. Um, and I do think he got oddly enough dealt a bad he got he, he got a bad deal. Yeah. And it's weird because he had a great contract, but I think that's the part of the problem. It was unfair to him because he got extra money. Come with it. Yeah. yeah, he yeah, he got a lot of expectations that he wasn't really able to live up to. And you know, I'm one of those people that Yeah, your 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 contract and your play, it means a lot. Yeah. You know, um, that's the issue I had with the fan favorite, Channel Parsons back in the day. I'm just like, if you're a role player, great. But if you're getting paid <laughs> like you're the guy. Yes. Which is the same issue we have with take. Yeah, you're going to take as many shots as you're taking because you're supposed to be the guy, then I expect more. Right. It's not just me. The coach does. Right. Man- management does. The fans do. You yeah. know, it's, it's unfair to you, but... I mean, this is the hand you would dealt. Yeah, that's how it goes you know, sometimes. So. Yeah. True indeed. So, um, yeah, we're running real low on time, so I'm just going to do two quick things here. We're going to skip the Memphis preview. Um, one quick question for you. Luca has 16 turnovers over the last two games. Is that an issue, or is that just part of the growing pains of being a rookie and, uh, and having the usage rate that Luca does? 16 over the last two games. Mm-hmm. Nine and seven. And he's still... That's impressive because if he has these numbers with that many turnovers, I'm just saying like he can only get better once he he you know gets more control right. on his game and he becomes more polished. So right. that just gives me hope. Like he's able to produce with in spite of those numbers. So I mean, I don't I don't lose sleep over that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's been kind of an anomaly. Over the season he's only averaging three and a half per game, which isn't too bad. Um it's kind of it's about what LeBron's averaged for his career, so it's you know it's nothing to be too worried about. LeBron, we've never considered LeBron someone who is careless with the ball by any means. So I think it's just a kind of an anomaly. I don't think it's the it's anything to worry about yet. If it keeps going, maybe gotta look into it. But uh, he's a pretty smart kid. I think he'll correct some things and, and be okay. So um, last thing here, we're gonna I'm, I'm just gonna ask you a quick trivia question. I'll, I'm gonna start throwing some trivia into these at the very end here, just to. Uh, to give you some Mavs facts or, or to, uh, for you to show off your knowledge of the Mavs. So, um, for this mm. one, this one is, is, um, pretty straightforward. Dirk pretty much owns the, the Mavericks, uh, record book. He's played the most games, the most minutes, scored the most field goals, taken the most attempts, twos, threes, um, free throws, free throw attempts, uh, rebounds, offensive and defense, um, Blocks, turnovers, fouls, points. Um, you know, he, he leads in all those categories. But there are two main statistical categories that he does not lead in. Uh, that's assists and steals. Can you tell me who you think owns the or has the most career assists or and or steals for the Mavs in franchise history? Assists and steals. I mean... My first instinct is to go with Nash. Nash is fifth on the assists list. And he's outside of the top ten in steals. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like it's someone that I wouldn't even think of. (laughs) Now I'm thinking tenure. Uh, hmm. He's a bit of a throwback, but he's he's still a well-known... Maverick to even the casual fans of current day. I get the feeling it's the same person for both categories. It is. Huh. Assists, steals. His number is retired. I, hmm. I'll just go Derek Harper. Derek Harper it is. He has 
5,111 total assists for the Mavs and 1,551 steals. Dirk is second in steals with 1,206, and he's fourth in assists with 3,631. So you have Derek Harper in first, Brad Davis in second, Jason Kidd in third. Hmm. There you have it. Well, go figure. <laughs> I need more Sagana job questions, man. Oh, that's that's uh, what we need. There, there will be some. <laughs> there will be plenty. There will be some DJ Banga questions, some Sagana <laughs> job, some Eric Dampier. I've got I've got the centers on lock here. So I see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening, uh, tuning in. We are going to try and get you a podcast every week. Um, Again, we're looking forward to it. We're happy you're here, and uh, we'll see you next time. Later, guys.